Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 281 of the Weird Science DC Comics podcast. I am Jim, and this is a spotlight episode, and it's going to be spotlighting, finally, new issues. Two issues that came out this week, and I'm talking about new print and digital issues. Last week, I just talked about digital-only releases, but they were kind of new, but these are New, what I'll be talking about tonight will be the Green Lantern Season 2, Number 3, and Joker Harley Criminal Sanity, Number 4. But before I get into that, let me tell you where you can find us. We're on Twitter, at WeirdScienceDC. Follow us, we'll follow you back. We have a website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, where we review most of the comics that come out each and every week. And as we're getting the new comics back... That will be more and more and more going on. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can support us for all the work we do here. We also have a Marvel podcast you may be aware of, but if you go to the Patreon, you won't just be supporting us, just throwing money at us and making it rain. You know, I'm dancing around. What you'll be doing is getting a ton more shows. We have a lot of shows. Last month, we went hog wild, had almost 80 episodes of shows, and that was insane. But we're going to keep doing that and doing it and doing it more. And so what we're going to do, though, tonight is talk about those two issues that I talked about. And it's nice to have new comics back. But what this Spotlight episode will end up being as we carry on will be these issues that we aren't talking about on the main podcast. While we had the whole comic book industry shut down, I ended up using that time on the Patreon to record a bunch of daily catch-up shows, trying to catch up to certain, these continue still, but trying to catch up to books so when they do come out again, like now, I am caught up, and if you're on the Patreon, you'd be caught up with me talking about them as well, but you could just catch up by reading them yourself. But one of the books that I did catch up on, one of the books that I was not planning on talking about or ever reading again was this The Green Lantern Season 2. And if you heard me talk about it on the Patreon, I liked Issue 1. Issue 1 actually impressed me. I thought that we were back on track. I am one that did not exactly love the Black Star stuff, and I was frustrated through most of season one. So when you got that season two starting, I thought it started off really well. You end up having kind of a, you know, an epilogue, a bit of the Black Stars, get everybody on board there. And then you end up having by the end how going off to Earth to stake out an alien presence and figure out maybe some people murdering some Green Lanterns and things like that. So he heads off staking out. The second issue, it's just a one-shot. Didn't have much to do with anything. This issue, it, it doesn't have a ton to do with anything until the very end. You end up getting an epilogue page in this issue that does kind of, you know, hint at the overall story. But Grant Morrison did this in season one. And if you read it, you may be saying to me, but Jim, he he does this. He has these one shots, but they're important because, you know, a year later, they'll all be shown to be bits and pieces of the overall puzzle. Uh, The thing is, I hate puzzles. I think they're nonsense. But also you're talking to a guy and I'm saying you're talking to me yelling at me through the podcast. You're talking to a guy who has clinically horrendous attention span so what i need and this is personal i mean and i mean it's personal you end up having grant morrison 
he doesn't know this. He's not writing it for me, but me talking about it. And my whole philosophy on reviewing single issues is you review the single issue. So me reviewing the single issue, trying to get, you know, bits and pieces of what's going on, things like that. I can't give it props. Even if Grant Morrison has shown that he'll tie things up at the end, I'm not going to give it props here because of something that might happen nine months later. I I just won't do it. So I'm going to be reviewing this issue. And I think that this issue where I told you issue one of this season two, I liked issue two. I hated issue three. eh, I'm kind of in between. I, I don't hate it fully and I don't like it fully. I'm just kind of there. I'm just trying to go because the story itself, in my mind, after and this is a thing that I say a lot about this Grant Morrison, especially this Green Lantern run. When you start stripping away the nonsense, you start stripping away the, the you know, pretty much the, the drapes to see the window, if that's a saying. Once you start getting that, you realize that the story itself doesn't have much going for it. It's a very simple story. That is complicated with other things. And that's kind of, again, what this issue to me is. This is pretty much going to be the story about a person who's lost their dog. That kind of is what and, and the idea that, you know, other people might have left the door open for the dog to run out. That's pretty much what it is as we go into this. It is, and I'll just get into the credits now. It is The Green Lantern Season 2, Number 3. It is written by Grant Morrison, art and colors by Liam Sharp, and letters by Tom Orzachowski. And if you have been reading the book, if you have been paying attention to the creative team, the Liam Sharp usually doesn't do his colors. He usually ends up having Steve Olaf do the colors. And when you open up the book, you will see a very much of a difference between Liam Sharp here and his normal art. He's doing a little experimentation. He's down in the lab. He's, you know, he's, he's mixing things in the lab and making it. And so you end up having more of a painted style at points. It even looks a little not quite photorealistic, but it gets towards that. But it, it's, a, it's a totally different style, and it threw me off. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think that individual panels uh, of this look fantastic. They, they look great. They, they have a stunning look to them. As you go through, there are points where you're going to turn a page and go, oh, my God, look at that. But the problem is, as a storytelling device, as part of the storytelling with Grant Morrison's script, Sometimes I think that it doesn't play out as good as it should. Sometimes I think that it's kind of just they're doing its own thing while the script's doing another thing. And then they mix together in a goulash that gets me confused. But again, it's kind of a simple story. So you just have to kind of get through that. But individual pages, like I said, some of these look really stunning. Uh, What this story ends up starting out with thunder on wonder mountain and if wonder mountain does not either have a log flume or possibly a loop-de-loop roller coaster and a loop-de-loop inside roller coaster indoor like isn't that cool but i still think wonder mountain would have a log flume if you ask me and it's nothing to do with this issue it really isn't about an amusement park but i i think it should be uh and also when i see thunder i i just want to say down under you know 
hey there, put a shrimp on the bobby. So you go and they're having a problem on Wonder Mountain. Uh, what they're having is an electrical storm with a, a giant cloud coming in. And it's kind of doing weird things to the people where it's kind of grabbing onto them with lightning. Again, there is a, a description of this that gets a little wacky, gets a little wordy, gets a little, you know, weird. But that's pretty much what's happening. You end up having a cloud. I, I say monster, but we'll, we'll call it a pet because that's what it ends up being. A cloud pet has shown up and it's scared. It, it wants its, its, you know, it wants its mommy and it wants to go home. It's scared. It's trying to grab onto things. It's trying to figure out where it is. I'm saying all this after reading this a bunch of times. You're not going to get that right away from the issue. Uh, and in fact, the first two, three times I read it, I was very confused of the whole idea until the very end. But yeah, you end up having this going on. In the meantime, how is going to show up at the 412th test wing, and he's going to do a little bit of a test flight that also ends up being a rescue mission. And with Grant Morrison throughout this run of this The Green Lantern, both seasons, Black Stars, all that, most of the things that he's tilling from, that he's grabbing from, is Silver Age stuff. Uh, You end up even Golden Age stuff, you know, really, and obscure things. You will have even by the end him doing it again. But a lot of these characters that he'll grab, a lot of things that show up in this book are going to be characters that had three panels ever. And that was in 58, you know, and then the next, you know, next issue, you'll have a character popped out that was only mentioned by name in an issue in 67. So you have that going on and that is a big thing and, and a lot of people have mentioned in their reviews not just on our site or podcast the idea yeah that's grant morrison's thing that's what he loves this issue actually is more of a tribute to jeff johns to jeff johns run on green lantern volume four in particular because what you're going to get right away is jonathan herc stone who actually was a guy that flew with house father you also then get mention of jillian cowgirl perlman who was in Green Lantern Volume 4, number one in 2005, created by Jeff Johns, and also Shane Rocketman Sellers. Again, from that run was, uh, you know, some contemporaries, fellow pilots of House. And so what ends up happening, he goes, he runs into Herc. Hey, what's going on, Herc? You know, what's going on with this X-300 super plane you got? Well, I'll tell you about it, but I can't can't even think straight. I'm looking at these monstrosity Things with wings and pay. What are they? And he's like, oh, oh, those, those. And I'd like to say ornitho babies or ornitho babies. But I think it would be ornitho babies. Oh, you know them? Don't mind them. They're an ancient civilization of superpowered bird people. And yeah, they kind of look at me as their mom, dad, best pal, all that. Now, in this, you do get an idea by the end. Like, these are... Like Hal's little kids. And it's funny. We had it from last issue. They imprinted on Hal. So it makes sense. Um, But they're sticking with Hal and trying to save him. What kind of is very similar to what happens with the clouds and their pet and things like that when you go. But he he's just like, hey, hey, boys, you know, hey, boys and girls here. Hey, ornitho babies. You, you can't touch things. You know, you, you can't just do things just kind of go off and I'll, I'll meet you later and they do fly off and that's where you have Herx like you like a mad cat lady except your cats have wings and it's funny 
But they go and and the big gist and the big thing of this issue are these X-300 planes, they end up being teleporting planes and they have ended up going. They launch the planes and they are missing some planes and pilots. Uh, One of the big ones being Jillian Perlman, who is cowgirl. And that's where how cowgirl's missing. All right. Well, then, then they say there's one survivor. One person came back and I think you might know him. And it's. Shane rocket man and house you know what what happened Shane what's going on and he's just talking gibberish you know a uh, bigger sky blue bigger blue this is not making sense and so it, it's you know you get to see rocket man there but you're not going to get much of this but you end up having cowgirl missing yeah there's three pilots missing Hal even has to be told there's others, but you know, cow cowgirls missing. That's all he cares about. And that goes well with the Jeff Johns run. You had had in that run where cowgirl, Hal Highball and Shane Rocketman, them getting kidnapped at points and, and them being kidnapped by aliens, Ted, all these things going on uh, that they ended up having to fight through and go out. So there is a history quite like this. There is a history of how saving them. And I, I just wonder how's like, here we go again. And he goes, well, he's going to get into the test plane. And when you see the test plane, the art, it, it does look great. It's this huge thing with a fan on the back. It, it looks nonsense. And really, I it, it's weird when I see this and the back end of this plane, this jet, it kind of looks like a thing I had back in the day that clean CDs. That's what I think it is. But how, as is the usual when he's going to test pilot. And the thing is, though, he's not really flying a test. Fi- he's going to maybe find cowgirl, but it, it, you should keep the ring. How he says, I don't like doing this, you know, with with the safety net. So here you go. I'm going to give you my ring, Herc. I'll get it later. The ring actually protests, says disapproval, disapproval, lame. Uh, And he's like, all right, let me. But really, you're going to try to find these missing pilots. Something has gone. Now, I would guess that at some point, and this is where you're going to jump a lot of conclusions in this issue. You're going to add or not have. The full details in my mind, because when you end up having Hal say, "Okay, you said they went missing, right? You know, they said the old gang was running tests on the X-300 plane. Three of our pilots never came home. Gil, Gil Hernandez, Jillian Perlman and Lou Byrne. And that's where Hal's like, Perlman, cowgirl's missing. So they go. Did Hal ever ask if the planes came back? Like, did they crash? Where were they? Do you have any idea where they were set to go? What has happened on other tests? Because Hal's saying, here, you keep the ring. I mean, where does he think he's going? And now it does end up that he just goes and we find out that there's a dimensional portal that this ship ends up using the engine, the teleport engine to go through and end up. But... I would like to see, did anybody else go through this? Has there been other problems? Because what happens later is we are told that this cloud, this pet cloud, came through because of the teleport engine, and the military is used to this and know how to react to it, know how to get rid of these in a way that you're like, oh my, they've been doing this all along. What, like, where are the other people that may have went through? Was there? Because, like I said, the military seems to be very hip 
on what is happening now and, and knows how to fight it. So where are these other pilots or where are these other planes? I, I just wish uh, like how like where did they crash? Like, where am I going? Is it North Korea? You know, uh, uh, Russia? No, no, no. The the planes never came back, never came back. Well, that's weird. And then give us a little bit of a rundown of, well, it is the teleport engine. You go. It's a dimension hopping thing. How could say, well, that usually doesn't work out. And now we're going. Now I'm like, all right, I, I kind of get it. Right. But he just takes off but before he actually does that he's gonna go take off and you have the ornitho babies come over and they're upset and it kind of it, it reminds me a little of like how going to see his dad do the test flight they're sad but he says they you gotta go you gotta get away and you know, i got work to do daddy's gotta bring the the food home daddy needs a new pair of shoes i'm heading off you guys go and he does end up saying guys i have work Lucky, Plucky, Chucky, Bucky, and Tops. Damn, I never should have given you stupid names as they're going. I'm never going to remember those names. And whether or not you have to remember them, I don't think so. But instead, I'm just going to go that their new addition. They're just Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike to me. And and Ralph. Because Ralph gets the, uh, you know, kind of gets the short end of the stick in that, in the Cool It Now song. Because you do have that famous new edition, you know, run down there, shout outs. But but Ralph is singing, and so he can't say it. So if you ever had somebody like, hey, you know, can you name the members of New Edition? They probably, oh, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike, they forget about poor Ralph. He's the main singer. You can't forget about Ralph, right? So that's what they are. I know that this doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but they're new addition now. And he's like, you guys go away. Daddy's got to work. And by the way, Bobby, don't go on the crack and please keep it away from Whitney. That's what he's saying. And they go off. He gets in the plane and they say, hey, you know, take it up gently. And now we're going to get joke time. Because he's like, gently, all right. And he's hitting Mach 4 right away. And they're like, what? don't you understand the word gently? Don't you know its meaning? And now we're going to get a bunch of pages with how, yeah, I-, I know that word. You know, it reminds me of that Adams thing. You know, the hitchhiker's guy. That would be Douglas Adams. And that is Dirk Gently's holistic detective agency, which I'm not a huge fan of. I'm a huge fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But the Dirk Gently, not as much of a fan. They ended up having a recent series on that. But then he says, yeah, and he keeps going. And there's the Tenacious D song. I'm like, that's a weird one, you know, because that is a curse word song. That's effort Gently. That's a song for the ladies. And I thought, I don't know. I think Hal might have said, like, uh, you know, while my guitar gently weeps, you know, the Beatles there. But he doesn't. He says Tenacious D. And it's weird. I actually, on an aside... Listen to Tenacious D's first album last week Out of nowhere I just ended up listening to it I do like that album I like that that first album And I think it's really good But besides that He also is like Yeah and that, that poem that, that guy Bob Dylan I'm like no no how You know this stuff But he does say he's joking Because like No no that's Dylan Thomas He's like yeah I know I was just joking Just messing with it ah, Right through this portal He goes through the dimension portal and ends up in this other dimension where he crash lands into a purple landscape that looks like it has a swamp that might be, you know, Texas tea, you know, oil, if you get my drift here. Uh, and he gets out. He's like, okay, I don't have a ring. I'm like, yeah, yeah, really. And, and really, if you're going to go and you're like, I don't need the ring, just put it in your back pocket in case you do need it. But hey, he goes 
and he's looking for these pilots and he walks and and you're not getting a real sense of time here and it happens very quickly where he does find Jillian he finds cowgirl she she's just dragging the dead body of Gil through the the swamp area and Hal says I I know that we go with the leave nobody behind but he dead you know you can leave him he's dead I'm here all right oh my Hal this is great hey give me a hug and so they're they're talking about this you know the whole world and where they are slightly and then there's a big thunder crack and you end up having that sounds angry like you just got here what what do you know the difference between this world's lightning crack sounding angry sounding happy sounding impatient i i mean really you you're just you you have no base of what you're saying and it does then with an exclamation point like it's talking like oh my does that sound angry you have jillian who should say Hey, I've been here for a while now, and it's starting to sound different. It's like almost like it's angry. Like, then I go with it. But how? He just got there. And so with that, though, all of a sudden his ship seems to possibly be taken up in the air by a purple goo cloud and destroyed again. going, And then you end up having uh, Cowgirl like, up, oh, whatever that was and what it just wrecked your ship but i don't think it's angry it's sad can't you hear it calling out I'm like i i don't get any of this there's so many these you know you end up having cowgirl and how they're getting a lot of exercise jumping to these conclusions here and they're jumping over and over and really this is where you start just a very very quick let's not go detailed let's just get this up because we're almost done the issue and i think that it ended up taking too long to get to this point and now Hal was sent to go find these pilots and specifically he wanted to find jillian cowgirl and he does so when they're there how ships destroyed and he said well you know and and you know they're calling out a name oh my well and and so then you have cowgirl i think the cloud it's looking for somebody. How do you get this? I mean, really, it's just a sound coming from a cloud. I think it's looking for somebody. And then House says, well, it sucks. It just ruined our ship. And now we can't get back. Well, all of this time, Cowgirl's ship's fine. They just go to her ship and get out of there. Like, there's no, like, there's stakes until there isn't. There's tension until you find there shouldn't have been. Because with how ship destroyed, they still have a ship. And so, yeah, and, and now you're wondering, I guess when they crashed here or landed here, the you know, you ended up having Cowgirl go to look for the other pilots. That's why she was bringing Gil back, uh, but now left them. But so you end up going back to Earth where we go to Wonder Mountain again. And Wonder Mountain is like upping the ante of controlling these people from the Wonder Mountain with the lightning and this is where then you see that the government knows what's going on. The government knows how to deal with this. They have killed things like this before. And so they end up going and they are pretty much, I mean, for all intents and purposes, they are going to nuke the crap out of this cloud. They're just going to attack the cloud, everyone. And so how 
and Jillian, though, they end up going to her ship. And like I said, it just is like, oh, man, your ship's done. What are we going to do? Well, let's go to my ship. They go and they they blast off. They go through the, the portal again, this dimension hopping deal. And they end up on Earth. But as the ship comes through, it, it's going to crash. And they end up ejecting. Hal does not have a parachute. You end up having Jillian, because it was her ship, sitting there in the seat that has the parachute. She's going to parachute out, though. You just see the parachute kind of deploying, and it looks like she might die. But you end up having the Ornitho babies then come and save Hal. They fly down and grab him. It's a nice little moment uh, when they end up doing this. But they're getting there as the military is about to nuke the crap out of this cloud. Well, Hal ends up just showing up it seems as if though we didn't know or how it happened they ended up bringing this you know entity from the dimension they were just in the one that was yelling for a, a Mew. now it can find a Mew and take it home and, and how ends up saying this creature is an ele- elemental inhabitant of a lower dimensional liquid continuum it's searching for a lost pet one of several creatures who fell through the holes you ripped in space-time using the X-300 engine. How does he know this? How does he know anything that is going on here? Uh, Is the ring telling him? Because the ring should have told him that before, before he even went. So how is this information? How is he going from point A to point H without anything in between? He just comes out, stops the missiles, and yells. Hey, everybody, that's a pet. They're going back. This is this dimension, liquid continuum. You guys are jerks. And a story and pretty much says right now the creature's letting those people and saying this, you know, a Mew on Wonder Mountain is letting the people go unharmed like a puppy dropping a toy. How does he know this? How does he know this? And uh, he says, stand down, everybody, the guardians, you know, I demand it. Stand down. You end up the military. Hey, who, who's authority? Are you playing with, buddy? And House says, my authority, I'm the policeman of Earth, I am space cop number one, you better listen to me, or you're under arrest, buddy. And then he just says to the entity, as for you, you take a meal and get out of here, this is not a nice neighborhood. It's like Grant Morrison giving you his philosophies on, you know, humanity again, so, yeah, whatever, go. But yeah, everything of this is just lacking the details in my mind to make it make sense overall of what's going on on the page. Plus, as I said, some of the art looks great. I mean, fantastic. But there are parts that are even more confused because of the art. You end up having Jillian and Hal go off to old ponchos, it looks like. And that's something in the uh, run of Jeff Johns where they would hang out. At one point, you ended up having them, and I'm saying them, Jillian, Hal, and Shane, Ending up having to go to therapy, they ditch therapy and decide they're going to have liquid therapy by drinking and talking about things at Poncho. So that's their thing. And they go off to there and they're kind of talking about it. And hey, and you have Jillian, we just stopped an interdimensional war. I'm like, not really getting that. I, I really am not getting the idea that there was going to be an like the stakes are being said. But it it just everything went too quickly for me to really think of it as that much of a threat. Uh, It's just, like I said, a nice little story about uh, a lost pet. But, yeah, she's like, hey, you know, it's good to see you. Let's toast. All right. And then you see next the flash, which is pretty cool. Then you get an epilogue, which actually is important and seems to be pushing the story 
uh, forward with the idea that you're on the Superwatch, the headquarters of the United Planet Superwatch, and you end up having some characters talking about killing the Green Lantern. Also, the idea that there's going to be a wedding, and that's what they're trying to make sure goes through without any of these Green Lantern meddling. And you are given some names here. And a lot of times when you end up having names in this book, you start going down a rabbit hole. You're trying to figure things out. And then a year later, you realize you wasted your time. But you end up having the mention of a power lord. You end up having a mention of a hyper boy, a princess Alistra, and a lady Q. Now, I know who Hyperboy is, but this is, and this is going to be classic Grant Morrison. Hyperboy had one appearance. Hyperboy was in Superboy number 144 from 1968. He's Kirk Quinton, and he's a character that's very, very similar to Superboy. He had it, he was on his home planet. His home planet was destroyed. He ended up escaping, though, with his family, his mom and dad and, and dog. They ended up going. And when they went to the planet then that they ended up being on, it had a red sun, and they were able to have powers from that. So it's like almost the opposite, and it's the planet Trumbus is where they ended up going to. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's kind of like a, a Superboy-type story. He ended up then on in Smallville then with that. Um, but it's pretty cool idea. But he was in that one issue, one issue that they're grabbing that from. So then, like I said, that's kind of cool. In the meantime, Lady Q is probably his mother. It's probably Hyperwoman because of the Quentin last name. And also, when you see the art from that issue, uh, Lady Q has the emblem that looks like the Hyper Family emblem. Now, Power Lord, though, that's that's an odd one. And Power Lord, as, as one word, is weird because Power Lord, in two words, there was an action figure line and also a DC comic in 83-84. It was only three issues. It was the Power Lord's comic. It's a stretch to think that that might be this, but it might be. And then Lady Alistra, I, I looked up, I couldn't find anything of her. So if you have, you know, you can let me know. But you have all these things going on here at the end. And it does look like now you have a mother who wants to marry off her son to a princess, don't we all? And so, yeah, that's the end of the issue. Again, like I said, I didn't hate it, but I didn't necessarily like it. I had to read it a couple times as the series kind of makes you do. And so I kind of got a little more, you know, things. But the, the reason why I had to read a bunch of times wasn't because it was overly, you know, complex. It actually was because a lot of the details were missing in my mind from from scene to scene. You're just jumping and leaving behind a lot of things, a lot of progression just to have these little scenes. And I do think that maybe, you know, Grant writing this, it took him too long to get to that other dimension and then you really had to speed things up so there wasn't time to really play out the details of what was going on and how it was learned and things like that so in the end though with the art and and the story i'm gonna actually give it a six out of ten i'm gonna try to be a little more positive than i originally i was gonna give it a certain five but talking about it again this is again another time going through it i liked it a little more but i'm gonna move on now to 
the a book that I actually have been enjoying, the Joker Harley Criminal Sanity Number no. Four, and it's written by Kemi Garcia, art by Jason Bedauer and Miko Soyan. You have Jason Bedauer continuing at points to take the place fill in for Mike Mayhew, who started off the series. You have colors by Annette Kwok and letters by Richard Starkings and comic crafts Tyler Smith. Uh, this issue is kind of a setup issue. It kind of meanders a little. It kind of isn't really that, you know, impressive until the very end. The cliffhanger is huge. But to get to that, you're kind of getting more of the same. You're kind of getting just things happening. You even end up Harley kind of investigating a deal with Firefly, which is kind of a cool call out, a more realistic universe uh, with Firefly. And that's what this really is. The idea of it being a more realistic book and a black label mature title. Uh, But really until the cliffhanger, not a ton really going on that you would have to say, this is a must read. It's a must cliffhanger, but the must cliffhanger will just end up being continued next issue but yeah you end up having harley pretty obsessed still with trying to figure out who what where the joker these serial killings that are going on they're getting more and more intricate they're being you know almost like performance pieces if you will as she's going through she does think that it is john kelly she is narrowing that down but again what you get in this issue leading towards the cliffhanger i don't know that anything matters after this cliffhanger you get the cliffhanger and it's almost like well all that research really doesn't matter much with what we got here if it in fact is a reality going on but you end up at the start you see that it's christmas time you see harley she's walking down the streets she goes past a display with the sugar plum fairy and that is kind of a you know foreshadowing a bit of the sugar plum fairy is going to be in a lot a lot of problems as she does the dance of the sugar plum fairy by the end. But as she's going through, she's thinking of the details, all of these things going on with this case, everything she's going with. Well, we do end up going then to a really nice looking spread page, a full color spread page of the Joker uh, going into an abandoned factory, it looks like. And what he should be doing by the end, you'll th- think this is he's collecting rats. He is. The rat catcher he is as he goes into this building, but we'll see that later. We then flip back to Harley, who's been called in the GCPD, where they have brought in Garfield Linz, the street name Firefly. There's the wink wink, a serial arsonist and primary suspect in the fire that burned down Grayson's Flying Circus. Again, you're getting a lot of wink winks and nudge nudges here. And I do like the idea of seeing these characters in this more realistic universe. The problem is, is this doesn't really serve much purpose just yet. It doesn't really serve much going on except possibly something that I kind of think I have a theory by the end, but I'll talk about that at the end if I remember, but you end up having Harley look into the file. Oh, let me see this firefly. Oh my, you know, boy, he's stepping up his game. He ended up getting military grade propellant. This is a thing. And boy, maybe he came across old Thomas Sweat while he was in jail. And, the, you know, he's kind of trying to get to be like him. And they're, who's Thomas Sweat? And I again, this whole series, you've had Kemi Garcia 
you know, give you profiles of serial killers. And that's what we're talking about. That's what the main gist of all this is with the Joker. Uh, when we're talking about, you know, the most prolific arsonist in U.S. history, you're, you're kind of losing me a little there, though I still want to see Firefly. I want to see this realistic take, but you don't get much of him either. What you do get is the psychological slash sexy workings of a Harley Quinn who ends up going in to interrogate him, finding out where you got this military grade propellant. And she borrows a cigarette and the lighter from James Gordon. Jim Gordon goes in and then starts kind of talking about, you know, the fire and the propellant and explosive while she's lighting the lighter next to her face. And I really do think from the art and all that, you're supposed to, yeah, Firefly's getting turned on. I'm surprised that the table doesn't lift a little on his end. And he ends up not really giving a full name of who this guy who sold the propellant, what he's giving is a full-out description of where he could be found. So he might as well do that. She's like, see you around, big boy. And then she goes off. And I thought, okay, with that, when we get back to that little deal, it actually shocks me that Harley ends up going to find this guy all by herself. Like, yeah, if if it was me and I was James Gordon and they they should be hearing this, I'd be like, yeah, you, you're going to go with a squad. You're, you're not going to go, even though they're trying to figure out things and kind of undercover, but Harley. But she goes off to talk to Eliza. Eliza, who is married to the mob boss, Joey Acasamento, who ended up going to school with John Kelly, who she suspects as being the Joker. And she's been doing these interviews and things like that. And she's talking to this Eliza and pretty much... This is just a story from back in the day where Eliza says, yeah, I was being tutored by John, but I didn't tell Joey because he's real jealous and he's 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 a jerk. But so I couldn't do that. Well, when John ends up showing up, he's in a suit because this was the whole deal of him going to the interview for the whole Wayne deal. And this could have put him in. And one of the things in this is you, you are seeing these spots in time where the whole Joker could have been averted. The whole Joker thing might have been, you know, not a thing if you had John not get bullied, have things go wrong for him at the, you know, the wrong things at the real wrong time. And so he's there in a suit and he's like, yeah, I, I got to, you know, get going after this. I'm going to be doing an interview. So, hey, let's do this really quick. And you end up having Joey, the piece of crap, thinking Eliza's cheating, ends up seeing her there in the library with John and assuming they're cheating. I'm going to kill that SOB goes after. And you even have John like, I can't really do anything here because if I do, I'll end up getting blood on the suit. I can't do that. I ruined the inner. Uh, so he tries to just run away. But he ends up getting like paper mache and glue and paint all over him from like the art room where they end up getting he gets kind of checked into it. And that pretty much ruins everything for him. He goes home then and his piece of crap, I'd say, you know, quote unquote father. It's not really his father. And, and actually for this Mick Kelly, who, you know, he even says to John, you know, your mom died. And he keeps bringing this up and he blames John, he keeps doing this. But there is a point where in this, he's like, you know, after everything I gave up and agreeing to take you, I still lost her, his mom. Uh, your mother's gone. We can stop pretending I'm your father. And the thing about this is 
this is one of the better scene, like nicest scenes between John and Mick that we've had in this whole deal. Usually in this, you'd end up having Mick be raging drunk and smash a bottle over John's head. At least he's giving it to him straight here, you know, and you end up where when John comes home, he's like, oh, and he ended up finding this Wayne Industries, this Wayne School paper, you know, invitation type deal. And, and so he ends up, what do you think? You're, you're too good. You're fancy schools and all the stuff. And you even, you know, you have that, which is typical. But you do have Mick where he, he actually just doesn't haul off, at least in this. And you end up having John looking out the window and he's singing London Bridges to himself. And then in a weird deal. Now, I like the idea of, hey, listen, your mom's dead. She ain't coming back, obviously. And you're not my son. So let's just stop pretending that. That's nice. But out of nowhere where you end up having John there looking out the window, singing and humming London Bridges and Mick coming in. You know what that song's about? That's about, you know, having kids there and they walled them into the bridge because their souls would protect them. And I often think that when your mom ended up dying, that the bridge, it needed a soul, but it got the wrong one. I'm like, it's a little too philosophical in my mind for Mick. Uh, Mick, the way he's been is just come in, smash a bottle over his head, kick him in the face and then steal all his stuff. That's Mick to me. But... You know, you, you have this going on. And again, this is where it looks like all these little bits and pieces are going into what is now a very angry and starting to be twisted mind of John that would end up being the Joker, possibly. So you end up where he says uh, when Mick says, you know, let's stop pretending I'm not your father. You have John. Well, who is my real father? And you have Mick like, I don't know. I don't even know your real name. Your mom didn't tell me. Says the only person who knows that drowned and you because you couldn't save her. So you, you have that. Well, now you go and now we're in the present. That was in the past. Now we're in the present with the Joker going to this old bookseller, ending up wanting a very special book. That this book, oh, the, that book now, you know, that was lost. It was burned down in the 50s when the museum burned down. And then you have the Joker. I know there's other copies. You get the classic cinematic deal where he goes over and he ends up turning the close sign there, ends up using uh, the telephone. They end up going. It's like all this subterfuge for this book that they end up finding or giving him to look a manuscript, a mimeograph of some of the sections where then you have the Joker just looking at it. He's like, okay, things can be recreated with the right information. We'll have to see what all that is. And then we have Harley just go to this bar where Firefly said it was a Russian guy, bald Russian guy, a lot of tats, tattoos on his hands. That's who sold the military-grade propellant. Harley goes into this rough bar all by herself, and I know that she is kick-ass. I know that she is a tough girl. This seems to be a little bit beyond. Like, somewhere there should be somebody waiting. They should have some, you know, guys that are undercover, or girls even, but armed and in this bar already. They're sitting near the jukebox, maybe. But she goes in, starts talking to this Russian, hey, he specialized in rare items. And then you have the, I don't talk to the cops. That's my Russian accent. All right, well, that's fine. Now I'm going to break your nose on the table. And Harley just smashes him. Looks like she breaks it. This guy is so big. And she just just rips him apart. 
And then like, I'm I'm leaving now. I'm like, why are they letting her leave? Anybody in there would probably get a ton of money from this Russian guy if they just stop her. But they don't. They're going to go off now. And pretty much the big moment. uh, Well, the first big moment besides the cliffhanger going on. uh, The big moment is that there is a old deal of the dance of the sugar plum fairy uh, it is christmas time you end up having gordon and some of the gcpd there they're watching it they you know this is a holiday cheer thing harley hates holidays like this anyway uh, but she's going to show up gordon invited her hey is harley coming yeah yeah she'll be here you know that's cool and you have all of a sudden where the people are watching oh my there's the dancer here it is the curtain opens and oh no It's another dead body that's got, you know, wooden legs and arms, you know, how you've had these kind of, like I said, it's almost like serial killing performance art. This woman is dead, has severed limbs and things like that, but it gets worse because in my mind, it it really does trigger things that I hate because as she's dancing, the ceiling above is kind of a false ceiling that starts to open up, starts to rip open. And then just hundreds of rats just fall down onto this dead body. They start eating each other. The body people are going nuts. They're running out. It's a horrific scene. It really is. Harley ends up finding and they even have like this little girl outside. They they killed the sugar plum fairy. I'm like, they're the worst. I mean, really, it's awful. And so you have the GCPD collecting the evidence all these rats they're going to end up doing blood tests they're going to try to figure out maybe we can find out where these rats were at least from maybe we'll get a, a you know details there uh but in the meantime they are just you know almost in awe how is this guy getting into places like this setting this stuff up how is he doing it harley says well this woman was probably killed another location transported here it was overnight they did all these to set this up i don't know why anybody wasn't you know checking in on this whole deal before it happened but you know with the the whole performance but it did end up happening it's a, it's a little bit of a detail that i think goes you know you got to push that away it doesn't make much sense but they're going to do all these tests so harley's just looking and says well this is now a real public thing he is starting to show off He's starting to get comfortable in doing this. And and really, with that, you kind of get this idea, well, when they start doing this, when a serial killer, you know, starts to want more recognition, starts to go full out, you know, like this in the public, that does lead to the possibility of getting him caught. It, It rises a bit, but it also rises a death count. And so they have to stop him because now it's getting crazy, all these things going on. And that's what she says. He's showing off. Uh, If we don't find him soon, a lot more people will die. And yeah, that's true. She ends up going to go home. Now, what I said earlier about this whole deal of, you know, all this research, all the things that she's doing, the interview with Eliza, finding out that Joey was a jerk and ended up bullying John. And that kind of leads to the profile of John being the Joker. You know, all the things that came in the issues before even this idea of let's investigate where we can find maybe who's the serial killer is maybe we'll get and she says this guy's too smart he's not leaving fingerprints so we're not going to find that well then she goes home to her apartment and the joker's there and he's just sitting there and he's sitting on her kind of crazy board where's the joker with the strings and stuff 
and he's holding psychological profile pretty much of who you would think he is. Hey, looking for me? And I'm like, okay, well, nothing that came before now really matters because he's there. Now, maybe we're going to get an idea that it's a, a really a you know bullcrap cliffhanger where she's so overly tired that it's like, oh, I was seeing things. Also, maybe because it, it's weird that she ends up going into that bar, beating up that Russian guy who's a big guy, and then just nothing else from that. Also, if I, like that in my mind, there's a chance that they're tailing her and they will actually end up going to kill her, but end up saving her from this. Possibly maybe Firefly ended up being let go and he's still charged up and he's been to I, I just it's it's going to be a weird thing where you just do all of that work, all that legwork to get to the same where the Joker's just there. And hey. Looking for me? Well, yeah, we've been looking for you for four issues, and now there you are. Or we find out that somehow it's a, it's just a weird way to progress, and we still have you know five issues, if I'm not mistaken, of this series somewhere around that. So you know you have a lot to go with, but the cliffhanger. I mean, it is a wow moment, especially if you've been reading this. Like, holy crap! And really, from the sugar plum fairy, awful. But from there to that end. Boy, it ramps it up. But before that, it was taking a while to get back. And especially since we haven't had comics in a while and we haven't had this comic in a while. So trying to go with it, it, it didn't really start out as big as I wanted, uh, you know, and, and wow me right away. But by the end, I am looking forward to the next issue. But because of that, the art's great. I like both the black and white art that I have loved throughout the whole series. And I do think that as we're going through these different artists, they're doing a good job of continuing making this book look great because the colored stuff looks good as well. So I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. That will be my score for that. And I hope that you enjoyed the spotlight. I hope that you enjoyed me talking about some books that we haven't been talking about on the regular podcast. But here's where I remind you that me and Eric and this week's regular podcast that comes out Sunday night on the regular feed, it does come out early Sunday morning. If you are a Patreon, we will be talking about some new books as well. The Flash, Hawkman, and Batman and the Outsiders while still continuing the classic stuff like Wonder Woman, The Circle, and all those other books that come with it that I can't remember what we talk about right now, right? We have the JSA book. I think that we'll be finishing up Red Sun this week, stuff like that. So if you end up wanting to check that out, we're going to have a larger podcast because we're going to be getting some of those new books in there, three of those books that we'll talk about as well in its own section. So thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to this. I hope that you enjoy this little spotlight deal so I can do some of these side books, some of the things that aren't, you know, the huge books, but things that I enjoy talking about. I hope you enjoyed listening too. And just a reminder again, we're on Twitter at Weird Science DC. I almost messed it up with the Marvel deal. We also have a website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, and we have a Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science, where if you go and sign up now, you will not be charged right away. You'll be charged. If you continue, the charge will come on June 1st. But if you don't like what you hear before, then you can quit. Never be charged. You can treat it as a free trial. See what we're all about. See what shows we have and see if it's worth your while and money. I would rather do it that way than charge you right away. And then you don't know what you're going to get. And I could dupe you. 
I don't want to dupe people, right? So thanks, everybody. And again, listen on Sunday night to our regular podcast with me and Eric. And that's it. And thanks. And I'll talk to you later.